Oh, and it's time for the cake. <gasps> oh, heck, Lemming, my favourite. Oh, happy birthday to Jane. Happy birthday to Jane. Happy birthday is you, your Jane. It's happy me. birthday to Jane. Okay. Right, time to blow out the candles. Okay. <gasps> It's getting harder. Oh, well done. Uh, what, what, what did you wish for? Queer and pleasant strangers. <gasps> Wonder if it'll come true. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's us, we're wifey types, have a bit of a catch-up about media we've consumed in the week and do silly voices and skits and just try and have a bit of... Just try and make each other have a bit of a giggle. Yeah. We're catching up on what we've been up to. Catch up. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm concerned about the fact that Smudge is trying to sit on the mouth. <laughs> you have a thing on your lap so I can't sit there. Oh, you can. Mm, I'm not sure. Mm, don't you let the soft thing... Disturb you from also being a soft thing on yeah, the Yeah, just don't lie on the ma- uh, on the on the mouse and ruin the recording. <laughs> well, we've been playing things this week. We've played, watched, and listened to some things. We'll yeah. talk about some things that we've played. Uh, yeah, where should, where should we start? I Sh- feel like you've played more things than I have. I, so I've played, I've played a batch. Begin? I've played a batch of things. Oh. Um, where where do I where do I start? Let's let's get the one out the way that the day we're recording this, the review went up for. Ooh. I played The Last of Us Part Two Remastered. Well, I played it before last week, but I can talk about it now. Yes. And I'm going to start this this section off by quickly talking about something I talked about in my accessibility review that's up on YouTube, which is, hey, I would recommend going and reading a article on Vice called The Not-So-Hidden Israeli Politics of The Last of Us 2. Um, I've seen a few people sharing it today. I am glad that like some more attention is being paid to that, mm. um, and I'm not alone in highlighting this. Uh, it is an article by an Israeli writer about the fact that the game's creator, Neil Druckmann, has said in interviews more than once that the story is at least partially inspired by his growing up in Israel and his view on the Israel-Palestine conflict, mm-hmm. and specifically his view that retributive anger and the desire to like get re- like the anger that fuels you to want revenge is a universal experience, is his view. Mm. And this is an article from an Israeli writer who's basically like... Let's look at the game through the lens of an Israeli person was trying to make a commentary on Israel and Palestine. What does this game seem to suggest Both sides through that lens? Is, is, seems to be there. Yeah, the, 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 the takeaway that this writer comes away with is it's very... It's somewhat typical Israeli centrism in as much as it, it sort of has this perspective of Everyone is equally as justified to be angry about their situation, and therefore, nothing to be done about it, the status quo will just happen, which is a privileged position to take in that situation. And specifically, it's this writer going, hey, I also grew up in Israel, I saw the same events that apparently fueled Neil Neil Druckmann to write The Last of Us 2. I had very different feelings about that event, and it's kind of... It's a very important read as someone who isn't, you know, I'm not Jewish, I'm not from Israel. It, it was a big insight into things I did not know about Palestine that mm. I was unaware The Last of Us 2 sort of bakes into how it represents its two sides of its conflict. Yes. And I think that is a very interesting read, and it is, I think, very significant that that game only came out coming up on four, three and a half, four years ago. Mm. And that piece of writing, I think, is 
very much being like looked to more today than it was previously. Yes. Um, so I think that's well worth a read, and I, you know, I'll I'll say what I what I said on on accessibility. There deserves to be a free Palestine, and Israel is you know justifying war crimes right now on the basis of self-defense yes. and and go south africa for bringing the fucking receipts right uh you know go go ireland who have largely as a country been you know say doing the right things um also go watch um the video game industry needs to talk about palestine over on people make games really mm-hmm. really good video that all said i have played the last of us part two remastered and the first thing i can say about it is really simple from an accessibility perspective, the only thing it really does is adds um, audio descriptions, mm. which are basically the same as those seen in The Last of Us Part 1 Remastered, which is to say, they are good, I'm glad that they're there, they are an improvement to the game, they only exist in cutscenes, and that's really disappointing. It fixes the biggest issue I had with The Last of Us 2 upon its release accessibility-wise, which is its playable sight to, uh, start to finish by sightless blind players. But, but so much of know what's going on. Yeah, and... This does fix a lot of that, but there's a lot of scripted sequences where the ca- the character's position is known, the movements they're about to do are known, you could totally add in audio descriptions during those moments, and the game chooses not to. And that is a hurdle the industry still needs to overcome. Yeah, well, there were a couple of times, like right near the beginning of that intro scene, wasn't there a couple of things there? Mentioned some so, stuff? Ba- barely. Occasionally at the end of a cutscene, just as you're being handed control, you'll get one tiny bit of mm. audio description. Like, right at the start, there is, you're riding a horse. Yes. It gives you that much context. That's not consistently told to you when not you get on a horse. in woodland, or it's covered yeah, in Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, like, feel like they could be triggered the same way that, like, in-game conversation triggers are handled. And it's a shame that they haven't overcome that, that gap, and it's a shame that the audio descriptions are bundled in as part of a paid update. It's It's $10 to upgrade from the PS4 version, it's not the end of the world. I still wish this part had been free. Yeah, it um, also needs to do something with the audio balance, because there was a couple of times where you were playing, particularly one scene where, like, Abby was going, mm. uh, trying to get into a place and going through, like, one side of a fence, and the other side of the fence was being attacked. And there was a couple of times where I was like, did, did I just hear an audio description yes. kind of happening in the background? Yes. So, the game, like, if you turn on audio descriptions, it doesn't balance the rest of the audio to accommodate yeah, for that. It doesn't duck and it or anything. Usually the default audio description volume is fine, but occasionally there'll be a very loud scene and an audio description. Yeah. And you'll just kind of miss it. Mm. And like granted, if it doesn't take a lot of guesswork to go, I hear a lot of monster fighting sounds. Uh she's being attacked probably right now. Yeah. But like it's still a shame. It's not Perfect, but I'm super glad it's there. Yes. Um, but there is some other stuff added in this update. Um, there is a roguelike uh, mode that got added uh, called No Return. Mm-hmm. It's interesting talking about this in the wake of having talked about the God of War Ragnarok roguelike mode yes. um, the other week. Because the two are night and day. They're both from Sony First Party Studios. They're both uh, sort of post-launch um, roguelike mode updates. But whereas God of War Ragnarok was free and had like a big narrative connected to it and added in a lot of new things in, and it felt really substantial mm. this is part of a paid update and it feels less substantial um i don't know how much of that is just it couldn't be narrative because they want to give you control of a bunch of different characters from the main game whose fates are indeterminate you know whatever mm. um to give you lots of different loadouts to play around with and i do appreciate that they essentially have like 
10 different starting classes based on different characters, and I like the unlock system of how you, you work through those. Yeah, you might get some slightly unusual things of, hang on, why are these two characters hanging out together? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and here's, here's the thing. I think it's not bad by any means. I like it mechanically. I think it is a neat addition to the game. And if you really enjoy the shooting in The Last of Us, this is a really good excuse to like have a lot of that not interrupted by plot. But, it feels like a pretty solid aspect of those games. Yeah, it, it, it plays really well. And I'm, I'm saying this from my perspective. I am never playing The Last of Us because I'm looking for, a, for a sh a, an opportunity to play a shooter. I'm playing that because I want to go through the plot. Like, that's what always drew me to that series. And the shooting was something I did as part of that. It's not a thing that I seek out. And as such... I don't get into that sort of flow state I did with, you know, that I do with a lot of roguelikes mm. where I just, ooh, just one more run, ooh, just one more run, I'm really in the flow of this. Yeah. It, it is much more, I'm doing shooting, and that's just not my preferred engagement method. But, like, I like that they have um, a variety of different mission types and that they're very clear on this little whiteboard of, like, what kind of challenge you're going to face mm. as you go through. And it's a nice little addition. I think it's good that it's there. Um... Uh, there is audio. There is a um, um, there is a director's commentary track, which is only available if you've completed the game already. You can import your save from the PS4 version, but I had some weirdness where I have completed the PS4 version, and I imported like I think I'd done a new game plus, right? And I imported my save, and it was like, well, you haven't completed this save. You're like part way through, so no. No director's commentary. Okay. Unless you play through the whole rest of the game to get to it. Okay. Um, which is like, yeah, a little wobbliness. Mm. Um, I, I, I get why they want to do that, but I'm like, just make directors. If someone's paid for a director's commentary mode, just let them access it. Trust them that they're not going to spoil themselves, yeah. and if they do, that that's what they want to do. Not, might not have their saves anymore, or for whatever reason, or play yeah. it on a different console. Or because I'm, I'm trying to work out, like, my only rationale I can think of of why I might, like, maybe I don't have my save, mm. is did I need to record footage of the first boot up menu at some point, yeah, and, and the only way to reset. get it was to permanently delete my save and my save data, and therefore I don't have that. We certainly so, have need fo needed footage of that several times. Yeah, so it might be something like that. Yeah, look, it, it, it looks... I'm going to be honest, it looks the same as... It, it apparently it, it's been visually upgraded. It looks how I remember it looking. It was a very good-looking PS4 what, game. three years ago. Right. It was tail end of the PS4, and it was one of the better-looking PS4 games. It still looks real good. There's some new additional content in here. If, you're, if, if, you, want, if you want the best version of this game, this is the best way to play this game. And if you are someone who is, you know, partially sighted or sightless uh, blind player you will benefit from the audio descriptions being there. I, it, it, they, it fixes the biggest problem this game had accessibility-wise. Mm. It is the same game, but with a few new things bolted on. Do you want a survival mode or a uh, audio descriptions? It, it's a tenner. Mm. Uh, what about you? What you been playing this week? Well, we played a game together, which is tangentially both a board game and a video game. Oh, I know what this is. Is this what we played today? Yeah, we played Stardew Valley, the board game. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they've done a gorgeous job, I think, of uh, basically just putting all of the graphics from the video game straight onto the board. Yep. It, it helps that it is like a really nice, good, clear art style. Mm -hmm. It works really well in that aspect. 
the map is quite confusing initially to look at, but fairly quickly you can 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 start moving fairly quickly. The concept is you are basically multiplayering this. Each person can have a uh, like a class, so you could have someone who's a farmer or a miner or a fisher person or a forager, and that will give you slight specifications to like be as the game goes on, be a bit better at that thing yeah. specifically. And you are trying to make friends by giving them stuff that you have either foraged or grown or, or whatever, mm. and generate hearts, and those hearts are spent on discovering what you need in order to uh, fix up the community centre and ward off Jojo Mart. And you also have a bunch of missions to do from your grandfather. So you have six buildings, uh, six rooms to fix in the community centre, four of your granddad's uh, missions, and that might be things like have two animals per player... Or build one building per player. Yeah. Or uh, make this many friends per player. Or upgrade your starting items this number of times. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got the the stuff of the um, community centre is very much like it is in-game. You're finding certain items, and they might be specific to a season. Like, you might need to find, like, foraged items from that particular season and try and work out how best to uh, to hand those over. You've also got, like, fishing, so there's three points on the map you can go to yeah. and do fishing, and that involves rolling some dice, and if your dice match what is on the dice, uh, what is on the, the fish in that particular location, you can grab those up, and then you can either sell them or keep them for gifts. Yeah. But you've, you've only got a little inv- inventory of, like, six items, so yeah, you have to be a bit careful with that stuff. It's, it's a pretty fast-moving game, in that you have a deck of, like, here are your four seasons, and every round... You turn over a card and a few things will happen and it might be like your plants get watered or these abilities activate or a crow eats something from your farm uh, and, you know, things happen. Each player then takes basically two actions, which can either be in the same place or you can do one action, move along a road, do another action. And if you move along a road, you can forage something from the side. And your actions are pretty, pretty simple and basic. They're just the locations on the board and it's like. You do your two actions each, turn over another card. Do your two actions each, turn over another card. Ooh, a season's over. It it moves at a pretty brisk pace once you sort of get your head around it. Yeah, definitely. And basically each character will start with uh, an item, and that might be uh, the pick, the hoe, trying to remember what else is in there, the fishing rod, and... The watering can? The watering can. So all a little bit different, and they will upgrade further on so you had the the pick which was allowing you to pick or, or move man, basically not rely so much on dice rolls and be able to mitigate yeah, things a the, little bit the mining mini game is you roll two dice and um one it, is your eight yeah there'll be one or two locations that will indicate you can you can mine and then this would allow me to slightly modify my results to mine mm. somewhere like adjacent to where i'd rolled okay. to have a bit more flexibility yeah it was a really nice idea. It's it's cool to see all the different characters in there and the way that works. Occasionally, you'll have to pull a tile out of the Jojo Mart stack <laughs> and or the Jojo Corp stack, and it'll be things like, "Oh, we've polluted this river, so you can't fish from here until you deal with that." And like, there is a a, a version of the game that's like super difficult, where you try and finish the game. And also make sure that there's no Jojo Mart stuff on the board at the end. <laughs> uh, so a- extra annoyances in there. Um, it's fascinating because it's got like a solo mode. It's got three different uh, methods of scoring. The way we played, 
the extra difficult one where you add more uh, JoJo spawning stuff into the uh, season deck and you have to try and finish without any. And then there's another version where you don't bother pulling out, um, you don't bother doing the community sense stuff. You just have to do your granddad's missions. Yeah. There's a short version where you only have to do uh, two of granddad's um, quests and three things in the in the community center. Mm. So it's nice that you can futz around with it in loads of different ways. It seems to be pretty good at scaling. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of the things are X per player. Mm. So it does like when it was how, how many friends per player. Yeah. I think was one of ours. It would have been perfectly fine for one person to have six friends and the other person to have none and still have accounted for that. Yeah. Which means you can sort of have one or two people sort of specific uh, uh, sort of focusing on one thing, maybe just going up and down the same couple of roads foraging there, doing things that are are particularly suited to their their class or whatever. Yeah. And um ever and you have like uh, a shared pool of money. Mm. And all of the like plants uh, all the crops and stuff so anytime crops are harvested it's be like yep okay cool everyone can divide that among them yeah yeah it's a fascinating little game i think they've done a really good job of translating it from a video game into a board game and uh yeah yeah i'm, I'm very excited to play more of it in fact i might do some of that tomorrow after i finish ed- editing this yay uh what about you what else have you played I played and reviewed for the first time in, I think, about four years, um, a Ubisoft game this week. And listen to me, I'm going to do another preface before I talk about a game. I know, I know. So, hey, if you followed me and my stuff for a while, you might know I don't generally talk about Ubisoft games when I can help it. In the summer of 2020, I believe it was, maybe 2021, there were a bunch of allegations of abuse uh, from upper management toward, you know, workers within Ubisoft. Um, a year later, another report did the rounds that was basically like, nothing's actually changed within a lot of studios, you know. A few studios have reported improvements in satisfaction, others have gone, nope, I still feel just as not, you know, safe within the workplace as I previously did. And then, like, a year after that, most of the people who who had been almost brought in to try and balance the numbers, uh, on because there was a huge gender disparity in management stuff, they brought people in to try and clean things up. And a bunch of those people just left because they were like, nothing's changing. I can't fix this. Yeah. So given that caveat, I tend to not to talk about Ubisoft games, but I feel the need to make an exception for, uh, you know, on, on occasion, because as someone that does talk a lot about accessibility in video games, I cannot deny the fact that Ubisoft is probably in the top three big AAA publishers in terms of reliably, repeatedly doing accessibility pretty r- correctly. This specific game I, I wanted to talk about was... Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, which is a 2.5D side-scrolling action platformer Metroidvania, so it's a... It's kind of going back to the original Prince of Persia side-scrolling stuff on MS-DOS and... That, that, that sort of thing. So, the, the basic gist is, you are one of these, like, big legendary warriors, and the, the, the prince has been stolen, and taken to some mountain to be sacrificed, and basically... You run off to go and try and rescue him, and it turns out this this mountain is uh it's a weird time bubble here, and everything's quite bad and cursed. Do a Metroidvania to go find and save him. Mm. This is Ubisoft's first game to have um high contrast mode. Yes. Um, which you know we it, it's really neat that we're reaching a point where like 
Just a couple of months ago, I could have on one hand counted the number of studios that have attempted mm. high contrast mode implementations, and now it's like we're coming up on the part of the point where it's going to be like half, two hands. <laughs> almost half of the big studios will have attempted it at least once, mm. which is pretty neat. Um, well, let's hope they yeah. continue. Uh, this game's implementation of high contrast mode is pretty good. Um, it has three different presets for like what colors the various things in the game can be. Those appear to be um, based around common types of colorblindness to make sure that there is at least a high contrast mode that will be visible for people. There was the grayscale um, background thing. Yep, you can do that. the ba- grayscale background, or you can highlight, you know, all the th- all the things in bright colors, uh, or you can mix and match which of them you do. Mm. You can't fully customize the color selection yourself, but you know, not 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 the worst thing. But to talk a, a little bit about the game itself before I get into the other accessibility stuff. Um, uh, it is a sort of melee focused game where you have like you've got your 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 yeah you've got your swords you've got a bow and arrow with limited arrows that replenish you've always got a ranged attack available once you unlock this sort of uh, throwable chakram thing that sort of bounces back to you and you have like a meter that builds up when you attack enemies and you can use it to do big specials um, and as you go through you unlock all sorts of traversally things like you know mid air dashes and stuff to you know, as a Metroidvania helps you progress and continue. Um, I really appreciate that there's a lot of accessibility stuff available around, like, uh, difficulty and input consistency. Yeah, because you've got all the different difficulty base settings, and then yep. you've got custom mode, where you can just futz around with, like, little granular yeah. bits. and I like that when you're on the difficulty selection screen and you have, you don't just have, like, the name of the difficulty. It's like, oh, yeah, this is, like, how the numbers will literally change yeah. based on which one you pick. Like, this mode, you know, if you go up a difficulty mode, that's increasing the enemy health and the enemy damage or yeah. whatever. And it doesn't give you, like, the, a full list of, the, like, you see in custom, but yeah. it does give you, like, three distinct meters of enemy health, enemy damage... And I can't remember what the yeah. third one is. So you know how much of a difficulty increase or decrease yeah. it's going to be, and that's really nice. Um, there's stuff built around, um, do you want to have more lenient timing for parries? Mm. Uh, which is someone that really struggles with parries. I really appreciate just being... You say that, but you did just finish Lies of P. I, I did. I didn't do the parries very much. <laughs> I just dodge-rolled. Yeah. I dodge-rolled religiously. I gave myself <laughs> oh. so much damage or I could dodge-roll. The ancient order of the dodge-roll. Yeah, think. because it, it, I, I, would rather, I would rather try and dodge-roll than try and parry and fail and take a bunch of damage. Yeah. Um, but also specifically for this, because one of the things that can build up your meter for doing special attacks is successfully parrying. Okay. And being able to go, I do want to stand my ground and try and do that, um, give me a, a bigger parry window. Mm. Thank you. Really appreciate that. There is also the ability to turn off a button mashing quick time event that exists oh, for fro- if you get frozen and you have to mash to get unfrozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of things that are missing that I would have expected to see. Like you can't turn button holds into toggles, mm. um, which is a little, eh, it's a little bit of a shame, but like a lot of the stuff that's here is very good, thoughtful stuff around like making sure that like, hey, is there a thing you're struggling with? Just make the window for that a little more comfortable. Mm. If you struggle with the difficult platforming sections of it, you can make... Portal pass Yeah, you can turn on a setting so portals will appear, and you can try the platforming a few times, and if you're struggling, just click on the portal, and it'll just, like, teleport you right past that platforming section. No penalty. And then there was the highlighting characters thing where you can have a little orb... Yeah, uh, above. Uh, I guess it's interactive. Rules, yeah, but I it's mainly only seen it on characters. Yeah, I, I, uh, there's footage of it in the in the video that's going up this week that's on characters just because it was a convenient bit to grab footage of. But it's anything that's interactable 
in the world can have a little white dot on it if you turn mm. that setting on. And that's really useful for like, oh, is this like plate on the floor that looks a little different to everything else something I can actually interact with right now, or is it just a background element? Is it the joy of two and a half D? Exactly. Is that a background element, or is it an interactable of mm. some kind? And like that kind of clarity is really appreciated. Yeah. Um. But the big thing that I, w the reason that I checked this out that I thought was really interesting is there is some really good stuff here in terms of navigating metroidvanias if you're someone that struggles with visual memory and visual, uh, well, visualization, which is they have a setting called guided mode where always on the map there will be a little marker that's like, hey, the progression thing you're looking for is like over here. Even if you don't know how to get to it, this is roughly the direction you're going to, to continue the game, mm. uh, which is really appreciated. Uh, it will automatically mark onto your map every time you find a doorway, and whether it's currently accessible or not accessible. Mm. Uh, there are, you know, there's the usual map markers you can place down manually for, for things, but if you want something a bit more specific, you're like, there's something here I need to remember to come back to, and I need to remember what it is I'm coming back to. Mm. You can press down on the D-pad to take a screenshot that gets pinned in place onto your map, so you can open up your map and look at a screenshot of what is in that place and go, that's what that is, I know what's happening. And that is such a nice feature. I like that feature so much. It avoids the situation of like, I put an enemy icon here on the map. Was that an enemy that's really good for to grind for resources? Or an enemy I, I don't know how to kill yet? Yeah. I don't know what that meant. I don't remember. Let me look at a screenshot. Oh, it's that one. And yeah, that system's really, really nice. I very much appreciate it. Um, All of that stuff comes together to be really, really welcoming. The, the 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 game runs really nicely. Like the Switch version doesn't feel at all pared down compared to other versions. Mm. There is a demo available that has the accessibility stuff in place, which is really nice. I appreciate being able to jump into the demo and like check out the accessibility stuff yourself. Mm. As I say, I don't talk about Ubisoft games a lot, but I don't know of another Metroidvania that is this accessible to me as someone that struggles to remember visual information and recall it yeah like metroid dread was doing good work but yeah uh, keep going it's that's it like Me metroid dread i gave praise when it released because like it had that ability to mark on your map like every time you find a door you can't go through it'll mark it with a unique marker to go it's this kind of door when you work out how to open this kind of door you can, you know where you can backtrack to mm. But, like, that screenshot functionality is just one little additional step that makes such a big difference to that kind of functionality. It's good stuff, and it's got a good tutorial from it, from what I saw. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It It's not brought up as if it's an accessibility feature, it's brought up by a character in-universe as just a cool feature that the game has. And I really appreciate that sort of not-othering of using it. And not locking um, it behind something that stops you getting other stuff. Yeah, yeah, not not making it a thing that you might miss if you didn't think to go look for it as a setting that hasn't really been done in games before. Mm. And a cool thing, uh, allegedly, I've not tested this yet, but apparently if you have this game on multiple systems for some reason, it has cross-save, your screenshots carry over across cross-save oh, so that yeah. your map marker screenshots work. Nice. And that's, that's good consistency. Mm. So yeah, I was very impressed with how that that game thought about accessibility and i think that's pretty neat yeah uh what about you what have you been playing this week i played a bit more against the storm 
Um, oh yeah. I can't remember if I mentioned this um, around UDP or shortly after then, but I, I basically picked it up, started playing it on Steam Deck, and went, I need to be sat at a computer for this because... The UI is a bit too tiny for like it's got some. I think it's got some some uh, accessibility stuff for scaling that, but, but not there enough. is a, such an amount of data that needs to be shown to you mm. because it's basically a, 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 a like a city builder. Yeah, I was going to say an RTS, but it's not quite an RTS. Uh, there are some definitely some real time elements to it, but basically, the, this is a world where there is a, a massive storm. That kind of just wipes everything out periodically. The only place that doesn't get wiped out is basically the capital city. And the queen runs the capital city and she just gets kind of grumpy And if if you don't achieve things quickly enough. So there is that sort of like haste. But it's basically a roguelike city builder. So you will be plonked down in the middle of some woodland. Mm -hmm. There will be some little clearings around you that you could uh, chop down trees to get into. You have, so far, I've only played enough that there have been, like, three active species. The humans, uh, the lizard people, and the beavers. The beavers are great for cutting down trees. The lizards like working with meat, and the humans are good for, like, farming and uh, brewing beer. Hmm. Apparently they get, they, they like doing that. Agriculture. Yeah, and slowly you are getting to do things like get special, specialised houses. Like, in, in the demo missions, or in the tutorial missions... I un- was able to unlock one type of specialised housing, and I picked a beavers because beavers had been my MVP at that point. Mm. But in the second map, it was like, well, lizards are really the ones doing all the work. So when I got another chance to unlock, uh, to permanently unlock another building type, I was like, well, I guess the lizards now. And from what I can tell from screenshots, there are other species as well. So I guess I'm going to have to slowly unlock a bunch of different types of buildings. A lot of it so far has just been sort of tutorial stuff, mm. but it has been like a really interesting concept of, yeah, okay, you know how to build all these things, you know how how to, uh, you're being slowly introduced to different types of things, the, the usual sort of city builder stuff of, okay, you need to get these basic resources like food, you can forage for that, mm. you need to put a foraging hut down in, in the right sort of place, if you want to get um that, like meat, you need like a... a uh, a, a specific type of a slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. The, they will go and get certain types of animals from around you. They need to be within a certain range, and then you can process that through things like the the smokehouse, and they will cure the meat into jerky. Mm. Or other places will do various other types of things. Like in the second part of the tutorial, instead of going, you're just foraging for food. It's like now you can build a farm next to fertile soil mm. and you can turn like all the fertile soil within the range of the farm into farmland and they will just periodically grow whatever they've got seeds for and you'll get like a bunch of things without having to run around the map hoping that there's enough shit to forage mm. uh, you're introduced to concepts like the fact that you can futz around with rewards for things like you can go i can't give you that but if i swap it out for for something i do have a bunch of like jerky I, I think one of the first examples is you're told to get scrolls, but if you swap the scrolls into, I think it's fight like silks or something, then mm. you'll be able to satisfy that requirement and uh, achieve end game stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating idea. I'm looking forward to getting more into it. I did uh, a whole stream of it. If you want to go check out twitch.tv slash Janiac, the, the highlight is up there. And uh, yeah, had a really nice time and I'm looking forward to a bit more of that. And um, yeah, I think it's just a fascinating idea to do 
a, a, a roguelite city builder. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Have you played anything else? Um, I played through the, uh, the, the little epilogue content that was just made available for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, Ooh. uh, Mochi Madness. So this is post-Indicate Disc. Yeah, so this is, there's the two DLCs, and then there's, like, one little, tiny little epilogue at the end that's oh. about an hour long, maybe, and without spoiling too much, it is basically a children's... Uh, we sanded off the scary edges, zombie apocalypse story. Okay. There is a new mythical Pokemon that is taking control of people's minds and it's spreading sort of like the zombie outbreak would, but everyone who gets taken over starts doing a silly little chicken dance as they, <laughs> like, ominously come towards you, going like, <laughs> saying mochi at you. And, like, everything about, like, the, the colour grading and the toning and the pacing is, it's a zombie outbreak, the first people have been infected we don't know what's going on oh no it's spreading everyone run but it's all through the medium of silly little sweets that make you do a chicken dance uh-huh. um it's kind of great it's clearly they wanted to do a horror story but knew that children were gonna be playing potentially and were like how do we do the most pg how do, how do we make it clear what we're doing while not scaring your little brother that's watching over the corner of your the sofa plants versus zombies of, of a little bit yeah. it's it's silly it's not anything huge but what i will say is that for the last few years or at least several times over the last few years additional mythical pokemon have been added post release to pokemon games and they've just been a mystery gift code where it's like you put a code in and now you have the new mythical and it's like that's you fine. don't even catch it. Yeah, in a lot of them, you just you put the code in and you're given the new the new one. Like I think Zygarde in Sword and Shield was only available as just it's a mystery gift. Here you go, you have Zygarde now. I even if it's like look, it was maybe an hour at most, and it was very silly, but it was a story that led to an encounter where you battled and caught the thing and and made the mythical feel like. A Pokemon that was an event. Right. And I appreciate that effort, and I really hope this is a standard they do going forward. Because mm. if you're going to add extra mythicals at the end, at least give me, like, give me 45 minutes to an hour of this is what that Pokemon is and why it's important, and you feel like you've got ownership of yeah. it. So, yeah, silly little side story, but I had fun with it. Mm. Uh, what about you? You played anything else this week? Um, we played, uh, well, as I was going to say, a couple of games. We played a good few games now of Project L. Yeah, which was a, a board game that Mum gave us for for UDP. Yeah, it is basically you have a bunch of like uh, double layer boards which are puzzles, and they will have particular uh, shapes on them and rewards and points at the top for filling them in. You have a bunch of uh, polyomino tiles, and you start with a, a, a one by one and a two by one, and slowly by completing puzzles. Every time you complete a puzzle, you will get a different tile. It might be one you've already got. It might be a much better one. And on your turn, you can either take a puzzle from the, the, the table. You can take a one-by-one one piece. You can upgrade one of your pieces to the next level. So a one-by-one one can become a two-by-one. A two-by-one could become uh, like an L-shape three-piece or a straight-line three-piece. Yeah. And then the three those uh, two types of, of level three-piece could be upgraded to any of the four-point... Um, regular Tetris pieces. Yeah. It's a really cool idea and and for two people uh, such as ourselves who really struggle with spatial orientation stuff, 
We've, this is really manageable. It's it's been one of the few times a spatial orientation game hasn't been a struggle for us, where we're having to like put a finger on something and go, "Can I like have a look at this and put it back if it doesn't fit how hmm. I think?" And I think it helps that the color coded chart in front of you is like, "I know exactly how many pieces this is made of because of its level." Yeah. And the puzzles I'm trying to fill the outline in of have little dots, so I know explicitly at a glance how how long that gap is. Yeah. And all of and like none of them are like particularly complicated shapes. No. And it all comes together to be like very manageable for yeah. us. That's good. Uh yeah, and you can knock a game out in like 10-15 minutes. It's got a solo mode. It plays up to four. The UK version or or the European version, I guess, has uh German and French language rules on the back. And the manual has, I think, like six different languages in it. So it's it's cool that you can do that and maybe play it with with friends who don't necessarily speak as much English. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's an, a nice little game and I yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it as as like a lightweight sort of filler game be- between things or when not feeling super brain. Yeah. Uh, have you played anything else? Uh I think that's it for me really. What about you? Uh, that's all for me as well. <gasps> well then. Time for this. Meow, have you Seen, seen the new, new arrival. He's small and soft. Mm, but we are small and soft. Mm. He doesn't move much. No, he doesn't move much. But he seems to do a little, little, make noise. Mm. Uh, I don't know what to make of the fact mm. I saw, I saw little, little mouth things being put in it. Mm. And there's a button. Mm. But it does, it does make sounds and mm. it's soft and small. And it seems to, seems like his breathing is weird. Mm. Mm. And and they were hugging him for comfort earlier. Mm. Mm. I know, I know, mm. I know. We mm. often run away when they're after comfort. Yes, that doesn't mean we'll be replaced. I want. Mm. I I want comfort if the alternative is someone else gets comfort. Yes, indeed. How do we get rid of the new stuffy? Mm. I have claws. Mm. Okay. Well, I am good at pushing things off table, so I will push it off of table, and then you can get it. Mm. Oh, it's soft. Oh, it's soft. Oh, it's but oh, it's oh, always very like nicely. Mm. Okay, Onion. okay, friend. Mm. Mm. I got my eyes on you still. Mm. Come. Hey. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm doing all right. Sorry, I just woke um, up. Yeah. Ab- ab- about that. Um. Mm. I've been noticing. I. I never see you during the day. Yeah, well, we we mainly hang out in the evenings, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but like you're always up later than everyone else. Well, what can I say? Kind of a kind of a night 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 owl. Uh, you're always super polite when you go to people's houses. You wait to be like explicitly invited in. Well, I mean, it's it's only polite, you know. You don't want to. It's uh, someone's space. And I saw that big wooden, sort of almost person-sized box in your house. Oh. Um, uh, yeah? I I think I know what you are. You're a vampire. I'm in an emo mad. You what, what? I'm, I'm in an e- emo band. Oh. Yeah, I, I know it's been 15 years since that was relevant, but people still want to listen to emo music, and a lot of the people who were really into emo at the time are now, like, well into their 30s, and they still really want to relive that, but they don't necessarily want to live listen to all the same stuff so we're kind of 
getting the same vibes, but also for people who are now a oh. little bit, bit, bit older. Okay, that was like number three on my list of guesses. For me, it was going to be vampire autistic uh, emo band. Well, okay, then I'm also autistic and... Okay, two in- and three. Yeah. Vampire was really the wrong swing. Yeah, do you think I'd look good with fangs? I think you look great with fangs. Three for three. <laughs> so, <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? I saw some films at the cinema. <laughs> did, did you? I sure did. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with the one that I didn't go and see through any intense plan. There was a mystery film screening occurring. That was, there'll be a film. It's at this time. You don't know what you'll be seeing. And I went, yeah, I got nothing to do on a, on, on this particular evening. I'll go and see it. an unlimited theatre pass. Yeah, and an unlimited theatre pass. I'll go take a chance and see a film. And what I saw was, I believe the first time I've ever seen a Jason Statham movie start to finish. I'm Jason Statham. I'm Jason Statham. I'm a hard man. I'm a hard man. In a movie called The Beekeeper. Yes. And I'm going to try and summarize this film. <laughs> I I'm going to kind Without of spoilers. I'm going to I mean look, I'm going to kind of a little bit spoiler the mm. film, but I'm also going to give you the context that says maybe you don't go see this film. Uh there despite that, the, yeah. the despite the fact I had fun with it and I'll get to that in a minute. So, Jason Statham is a man who is a beekeeper, but also maybe beekeeper might be the name of a secret spy organization. It's not really clear. He's living on a old lady's farm property, like, tending his bees, and this woman gets scammed by a call centre into losing all of her money, including about three million in, like, money she manages for a charity through one of those, like, I'll take control of your desktop remotely scams, and she shoots herself in the head because she got scammed to hell, and Jason Statham is not happy about this and is gonna go do a Jason Statham and go get revenge, and... Without getting into the specifics of this, what starts as I'm going to go set a call centre on fire escalates to I'm going to fight the mob and the CIA and the FBI and the Secret Service and make it all the way up to the president. Mm. It is a fun, turn-your-brain-off action film that, like, just don't think about it too much. It's, like, it's a fun, stupid action time. That being said, I have since been informed the director of the film apparently made it explicitly to be about Hunter Biden uh, and and the corruption of the Biden family, which is, which is weird. weird, because when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, is is, is the, the female president the uh, the the parallel for Hillary? So, and then you were like, the president's the only one who's not massively corrupt. Here's the reason, yeah, because here's the reason I didn't instantly walk out of that film and go, I've just watched right-wing propaganda, is... Sure, the son of the president is doing shady shit and is bad and should be in trouble. And I guess I should have seen that that was meant to be Hunter Biden. But the president, who is a woman, is the only person with any moral upstanding character. And Jason Statham's like, nah, you're good. I'm not going to hold you accountable for your shitty son's behavior. At least that's how I viewed it at the time. It's weird. If it's meant to be Hunter Biden and the Bidens are evil, they... Look, there was an opportunity where Jason Statham could have shot the president in the head and he didn't, and she's basically the only person he didn't shoot in the head. Sorry, no, he never uses guns. The only person he didn't punch in the head to death. It's... I'm Jason Statham. I'm Jason Statham. Like, it's a weird... It was a weird, surreal fever dream of a film to see, in that, like, it escalates quite violently, quite dramatically, and then, then at one point it, like, drops down 
And it goes from like exploding buildings to he's hitting a man in the head with a stapler and it's making like a little plasticky hitting sound. Um, yeah. Like the film's pacing is all over the place. But if if you have a chance to yeah. not pay money for this, if you were on, if I if you were on a plane and like this showed up on like the list of films you'd watch on the back of the seat in front of you, I think you could do worse than watching Jason Statham find an excuse to punch his way up to the president. Now, do so with the if you do, do so with the knowledge of of the intent of the author. But I didn't have a bad time watching. Uh, because like I've never seen a f- I was fascinated Has this put you off going and seeing random mystery films? Not necessarily <laughs> here's, here's the thing I, I think the thing I took away from this That I don't need to see another Jason Statham film But it was fascinating as a first time viewer to uh, How do I put this? I don't think I've ever seen a film That embodied as much The energy of a 50 year old dad Who is convinced he could fist fight 100 bears right now <laughs> Like, that's what that film's energy was, is, like, the power fantasy of I don't care that I'm 57, I can still punch my way through the CIA and the president, and, like, any time the FBI tried to shoot me, I'd just, like, bullet dodge out the way like the Matrix. I haven't thought about Jason Statham probably in about 20 years. Neither have I. at this point? Look, I'm pulling a run... I'm not saying he's that age. I feel like the people this film are made for are, like, late 50s... Dads, the same who, people that they made retired and extremely dangerous for. Yeah, re, yeah, you know, nearing retirement. Dads who really want to believe they could still beat up the entire CIA in a fist fight, even though they're wearing body armor, he could still punch them into submission. Yeah. So I watched Enjoy propane and propane accessories. I watched that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say another one I watched real quick. Yeah. Because uh, I can summarize this. Look, I don't mind spoiling this one a little a little bit either. Because um, spoiler warning, I guess. For- uh, might look minor spoiler warning for Night Swim. It's a horror film about a swimming pool <sighs> that's haunted. That film is like eighty percent tension building about a haunted swimming pool doing spooky, creepy stuff, and the other ten percent of the film is. And this is where I'm about to talk spoiler thoughts because it's almost a content warning for the film. Yeah, itself, this, really. this is why I, I I'm like I don't want anyone to get like blindsided by this. Yes, the film is about a man who used to do baseball and then gets multiple sclerosis and can't do baseball anymore. And the swimming pool is a wishing well. And basically, he's he he gets to a point where he's like, I will trade my autistic son to the ghost swimming pool in exchange for getting my baseball powers back. Because my son's autistic, he's got no friends, no one's gonna miss him. Swimming pool, take him, give me my powers. Which is kind of fucking shit. Now, and like, look, don't let this entirely necessarily put you off watching it. Because I think knowing that, and knowing that the dad has his little turnaround and goes, actually, that's quite shitty of me. You know, take me, you not think? the kid. You know, he gets around to that point. I still think it's an enjoyable build of a horror tension. And if you know, I genuinely think if I'd known this going in, I'd have had a more fun time with it because oh. I'd have seen... I. This is one of those things where I think knowing what was happening would have made a lot of the early set up to the film more interesting, because I'd have... Looking in hindsight, I can kind of see the build of how they got to that reveal. Right. In the moment, it came out of fucking nowhere. Mm. But it's interesting. I had a good time with it, even if, yikes, that's quite a fucking... Um, like, I, I don't think he's meant to be the hero for that. He's clearly not meant to be the hero, but it's it's a lot to get thrown at you that's suddenly like, oh, no, yeah, no, 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 I just want to be good at baseball. Take my fucking autistic kid. Yikes. Witch living in the swimming pool. So yeah, 
that's that's my corner for films that are interesting with caveats that I saw. Not entirely recommends, but like just just know something about them and then make your own decisions. Mm. I had a couple of films like that this week. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What have you watched this week? Uh, we watched season two of What If. We did. This is the um, Marvel animated sort of alternate universe short stories. Uh, anthology, allegedly. Yeah. This one, whereas the first season felt very much like an anthology until basically the last two episodes, this one felt like it was g- gathering pace and calling to other things way earlier on. I I simultaneously feel like this was laying the seeds for the, like the big finale earlier on mm. but that the big finale despite having you know had more groundwork felt more rushed and like not needed and sort of forced to happen and and also negated other things that had happened elsewhere yeah it felt like the finale of this felt like season 1 had a big finale where it all came together and was one thing so we need one of those here yeah. Not because it was necessarily best for the anthology, but because they felt they needed to. Yeah, and it it didn't. Whereas the the first season felt very much like here is a bunch of stuff that has hasn't really been done. Yeah, in in like any of the other Marvel properties of the of the current, I guess the MCU and yeah. the the TV universe, which is obviously shared. Whereas that felt like, we're introducing new things. This felt like callback after callback. Firstly, it felt like the Captain Carter series. Yes, they really, really, really want you to really like Captain Carter as a character. And like, yeah, we yeah. like her. Yeah. But like, but also, you know, show us other cool g- stuff. Give us, a, give us a spin-off series or like, just fucking give it a minute. Because this is not her series. Let yeah. us see an anthology. I think the one character that we hadn't seen anything of before... Turned out one to be one of the most interesting and the best, and I I hope oh. more is done with that character. Yes, the the standout episode of the season entire one hundred percent is the one about the new original character that like is very different to anything else they've done. Yeah, I'd heard that there was a new character. I'm assuming it is the person that we're both thinking of. Yeah, but um, yeah, that was that was like a really fascinating idea. Yeah, that I wanted more of that unless. Hey, do you remember Marvel Zombies from the first season? Yeah. It's the, the same group of Marvel Zombies from the first season. I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed a couple of the episodes that uh, it's beautifully animated. It's not quite um, Castlevania, but it is still very, very good. And, 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 and an enjoyable spend of, what, like 20 minutes each? So, like, an hour and 20 minutes, I guess. Or two, two hours and a bit-ish. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it was an it was an okay it, time. It was it it felt less significant than the first one did. Yeah, don't give Disney your money. Yeah, hey. don't give Disney your money. <laughs> uh, have you watched anything else? In continued, don't give Disney your money. We we did start watching Echo. We did the the di- the Marvel TV show. Yeah, I mean, apart from having previous with Hawkeye series, <laughs> yep. whatever that was called, was it Hawkeye? I think it was just called Hawkeye. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that that. Barely memorable series for for the most part. Maybe it's the fact that there's too much of it. But um, yeah, so far we've had little bits of recap of this is how it ties into that. Remember that? Yeah. Um, Here is a recap show with some connecting tissue a little bit. It does. Some of the first episode made me go, I think I need to see other people's opinion on this. Yeah. Because it felt a bit 
a bit like messing with a culture that I don't know enough about to go, is this problematic or not? Yeah. Yeah. I will say some stuff I have seen discussed that I think is interesting and I can comment on. There's been some really interesting discussion of the amount of American Sign Language versus um, sign-supported English used in the show. And, um, and the way that's used yeah, deliberately. The, the ways that it's used to um, convey the kinds of relationships that the main character has to often the speaking people in her life. Yes. And specifically, like, I think this is not necessarily a spoiler because this is a thing that sort of came up in Hawkeye a bit. The fact that Kingpin doesn't speak to her using sign language. He always has an interpreter on hand yeah. versus... He's supposedly been working with her for years and yeah. never bothered learning. And like, yeah, it's like, it's great that you make sure there's always an interpreter available, but like, you're not even, like, you're not making the step to try and do basic sign-supported English of the signs you know. Yeah. Up up to and including the people who actually use like sign, sang, uh, sign language uh, grammar with her. And I'm like, yeah. that's really interesting. And there's occasional interesting use of like, quiet in scenes because deaf character I don't think they always commit to that idea as mm. well as they could I, I kind of they, wish they, they're almost afraid to be quiet for too long yes I would love it like there's like at one point there is a fight sequence that like half of is like very very quiet and most of the sound is not mm. there and I thought that was great and then they cowered out halfway through and start putting the fight sounds back in and yeah. I'm like just just don't be afraid to just have a fucking quiet fight scene there was one scene that seemed like it was trying to do something interesting with that where she was on her own in a space and it was all completely silent and then a window smashes to a space where there are other people and that's when the sound came in and I thought that was quite interesting. But yeah. again, it, it's it's too afraid to be quiet. Um, just, I guess it feels weird because we've talked recently about like uh, Alien being willing to be quiet and, yeah. and other films oh. willing to, to take the time to be yeah. Quiet or yeah, and now that himself. now that we're a little separated from it, I can talk about the fact that Spider-Man Two on the PS5 mm. has a sequence where you are playing as a character Haley who is deaf, and that entire sequence is entirely differently audio balanced. Yeah, and I really like how that scene was handled audio design wise, and like that's a really good sign of how you can do something like that right. Yeah, and a and also doing a whole thing of deaf might not necessarily mean you don't hear anything. Yes. It's reduced to such a level where yeah. it becomes a disability. What, what, what sounds can you hear and how do they sound to you? Yes. Is a... She's basically EQ'd to like, all the top end is gone. There's no trouble at all. It's a lot of very heavy bass and sometimes just yeah. the sounds just not quite hitting at all. Uh, the sounds that she is making with like her footsteps obviously are more audible because bone conduction like yeah. they're going through her body as opposed to exterior sounds. Like... Those are the kinds of things that, like, Echo feels like it wanted to try and then cowered it out and backed away and went, will a mainstream audience be yeah. put off by this? Yeah. And that's a shame. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I feel like we've, we've not really watched enough to, to see where they're going to go. Apparently the whole season is out. We haven't tried watching here, but yeah, we'll let you know, I guess. Yeah. Have you watched anything else? I think that's it for me, really. Well, I'm <gasps> time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you wake up in the morning? 
Uh, I mean, I try. And well, and and you have like uh, like alarms on your phone. For I have a series of alarms, a some of which of alarms. some of which function uh, rousing me. Well, and do you find that the problem seems to be that after a little while, that the alarm just stopped working. I my brain auto tune. It's like ah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll I'll yeah, something else will wake me up. It's fine. Well, what if in instead of that you had alarmrandomizer.lol.net? Tell me more. It's an app that will just randomize your alarm to the most obnoxious new thing that you've never heard before that's entirely different from your alarm every single day. <gasps> every oh, single fun. snooze. Let me let me have a look at the list of possible things that could, uh, some of which could happen. Um, uh, fire alarm pe- beep mm-hmm. uh, and a dramatic voice telling me there's a fire, get up, check your phone, there's news about the fire on there probably. Um... There's this one, which is just very loud sound of drilling. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I see that. Uh, oh, there's the, the deepbreath.lol.net monitor from last oh. week. The sound of that not working properly. Uh, there is the scraping sound of ice in the freezer being scraped. Ooh, ah, just very bleh. loudly playing. Oh, there's the sound of someone coming through your front door. Oh, that's unsettling. We'll get you up, though. I mean, that will get me up. The sound of your mum calling you could be oh. more or less unsettling, depending on who you are in your situation, I guess. I'm, I mean, I would be unsettled. That's not a thing that regularly happens. I I mean, I, I don't even remember what she sounds like, to be honest. It's been a very long time. How does the app know what she sounds like? Oh, That's not to ask about that. I'm sure that's a GDPR issue. Anyway, that's alarmrandomizer.lol.net. Enter the code QNPS290. And you can wake up on time or be unsettled and in bed. One of the two. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've, I've, uh, I, I started doing something fun at the weekend. Right, yeah, what do you got? Well, uh, I was chatting to some of the uh, execs at some of the other uh, game studios. Right, right. And, uh, one of them had this real funny idea, and it's, I is think it it's hunting interns for sport again. Oh no, no, no! We've we done, got in we, a lot we've of done, trouble. We've for that. done that before, and yeah. you know we got in trouble for that. But you know, yeah. there's we technically can't get in trouble for this one as long as they don't find out we're doing it. Right. So right. I've joined a betting pool. Oh, nice. Uh, with the other studios right. on, yeah, uh, like skeevy stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. On who can fire the most employees this year? My God, that is genius! Right, and you know, I you know, I've stayed quiet about it, but I have, I think, right. I have a winning strategy this time. Right, uh, I think we, you know, we we have the biggest company out of all the, you know our competitors, so oh, like we yeah. could just fire everyone and win. But, everyone else. Yeah, exactly. But like, if we want to make sure we definitely win, you know, we lay everyone off, right, and then go. Uh, well, actually, you know, uh, that was a clerical error. You want to be hired back, uh, right. and we hire them back, and then just fire them again right away. And you know, we, right? We 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 just like really double dipping. Yeah, we we just like absolutely screw around with their sense of job security and the fact that they need an employment to like get two or three points out of one employee. How about this? We say we're having uh, like a huge uh, intake day. Ooh. Like, there's going to be, like, huge numbers of people. Uh, there's loads of new jobs going. We, we'll be uh, hiring for all sorts of uh, levels. We'll we'll tell all of the current employees that there's, uh, like, a, a, a $1,000 bonus. If uh, your guy gets to stay here for, the uh, like, the first six months probation, 
that oh, uh, that they'll get like a thousand dollars like headhunting fee for that. And then we do the interviews. We say they're hired, and as they're walking out of the building, we say they're fired. And I, then we also fire all of the the current team. I think that's absolutely fucking genius. You you are a fucking genius. I know. I'm winning that pool. We're winning that pool. Yes. So, what have you put in your ears? Um, there's only really one thing, there is only one thing. that I've put in my ears. Um, mm-hmm. Without talking about spoilers, we've listened to the first two episodes of The Magnus Protocol. Yes. Uh, which, we've talked about Magnus Archives before. The Magnus Archives was a 180-odd episode horror anthology that started off seeming like it was unconnected, short-form horror stories, and then maybe become something a bit bigger as it goes on. This is, I think it's fair to say, a sequel to that. I think I've seen it referred to yep. as a sequel. I think it is specifically referred to um, as a sequel to the Magnus Archives. Yep. And uh, without getting into specifics too much, there are two episodes we've heard. Yes. Uh, the first episode is very much setting up a new cast of characters and location and set of dynamics. Yes. Rather than being a private collection and a I don't even know what you call it. I guess just a private collection and uh, the archiving of that and, and so forth. I don't really understand archival in, in that sort of aspect. Beyond, I can file things. But this is very much like this is a government uh, branch where a bunch of people are seemingly like reading forum posts, reading seeming sometimes people's emails, logs of communications of unsettling ev- events and, and the people who either read through them if they appear on screen or occasionally have them read out occasionally them. the computer will start just reading a thing because there seems to be ghosts in the machine yes and, and then they have to classify those using complicated yes. methods no, I, the the classification reminded me of watching severance and the, how are you sorting this stuff? Um, I mean, look, it's more just like a feeling, like I'm looking for numbers that feel like bad numbers, and I'll know it if it's a bad one. Yeah. It's, it's got that feel of like, ah, uh, you know, there's, the, you know, we could put these zombies under zombies, but like, I feel like they should be under undead, comma. Be, like reanimated and like familiar or something. Yeah, and that'll give it like a number that's probably around here somewhere. Yeah. And like, there's, there's comments of like, yeah, it's not precise. There's a, there's a sort of you feel it out, and, and maybe no one's actually paying any attention to how many things. But there does seem to be like quotas, yeah, and um, weird uh, power dynamics, and just all this talk of someone someone's developing an app, and maybe people people who work there are involved in trying to do some some work on company time for their own project. Yes, and then episode two, without getting too much into it is where I think this starts to show its Magnus Archives colours. Yes. Uh, episode 2, if you listen to episode 1 and go, like, this is not what I picture a Magnus sequel being, Yes. episode 2 is the one where you will hear a story that is a piece of standalone short-form horror and go, oh, you have, you lot have not lost the ability to tell very effective <laughs> short, like, self-contained short-form horror on... Very human, real topics that are very relevant today in a way that is, like, viscerally gripping. Yes. Like, they have not lost that that storytelling ability. Oh, no. It's, um, 
it's it's a damn well told story. It is. It's going to be out for the public by the time this is this episode is also out for the public. Uh, I think the eighteenth is the official. Yeah, we don't know if it's just the first one going up on that date yes. or the first two. But if you listen to the first one and aren't sold as a Magnus person, listen to episode two. I think episode two is where it like cl- some of that Magnus stuff clicks. Yeah, I, I like. I feel like they had a lot to set up. I don't know why they had a lot to set up. I am yeah. fascinated by that. But yes, I am curious to know what these people doing this weird night job of listening to horror and and um, categorizing it for maybe someone, maybe not. Who knows? Um, and yes, obviously trying to keep it um, spoiler free. But so yeah, I'm excited to see. I can't remember how many episodes there's going to be per seasons, but I think we've got like four seasons coming of this. Uh, was what the Kickstarter was for. So yeah. I'm I'm fascinated to hear what happens next. Yeah. What about you? Have you listened to anything else? That's really it for me. That's the only thing of real note. Well then, (gasps) time for this. Right, right, right. Uh, I've been hearing back from the editors, and we might have. uh, We might. We we we're going to need to get creative. Uh, We we've got that. uh, We got that new musical coming out. A musical? I thought we'd said that we weren't going to do any more musicals because every time we show them to the test audiences, they're just terribly upset about being there at all. Yeah, but then every time we hear from the te- from you know we ask like focus groups, what do you want more of? They say we want musicals, so it's like okay, yeah. well we'll get the rights to the musicals. It's yeah, happened again. We got the rights right. to a musical, and then the test audiences were like, what do you want about? We don't like test music. We don't right. like musicals. Why are we watching musicals? Maybe, but wait, maybe there's an issue with the test audiences themselves. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. But the, right. we've, we've got a bigger problem. It is, you know, I thought we, we would just get the uh, the editors to do that trick we've been doing recently where we just sort of cut the trailer so we don't show any of the musical. They'll never understand. It'll just be occasionally people might pose strangely and people won't really think about that. Maybe they'll think it's just a party scene or something. But uh, we'll know. We'll oh, know. indeed, indeed. But um, the problem is uh, we, we, we went over the footage. What? There's only 14 seconds in which there's no singing. Right. Well, maybe if we could have lots of, like, swipes of, uh, like, b- big bold letters coming onto a uh, black background. Oh, yes. And we have sort of a generic uh, sort of sweeps across stock footage scenery similar to where the film will be set. Right, right, yes, yes. And, yes. and maybe we get the, the actors back in to just redub some lines, you know, saying the words that are in the song, but like, not singing, just yeah, singing them. And we can just sort of dub them over the footage. Like so it's an like, thing. Yeah, they're sort of dancing around the screen while going, you know, this is the life. I'm living my life. Yes. Woe is me. Hurrah, yes. living my life. Yes. But you know, they're not singing it, so maybe maybe that will work. Maybe, that, maybe that's a jolly good idea. Maybe we could use some of that AI stuff, you know, since we managed to get that through. Uh, we got some of the AI voice dialogue stuff. We can change it, and it'll be those actors saying the words, and it'll do the slay down, and it'll save us all that money on having to get the actors back in. Wonderful, wonderful. Perfect, perfect. No one will ever see it coming. Uh, and I'm sure there will be no negative consequences to marketing a film not as if it's a musical and then secretly it's a musical. Exactly. No one will know that Jason Statham could sing like that. Exactly. Voice of an angel. I'm Jason Statham. I'm keeping some bees. (sighs) Glorious. It's this map again, dear. Oh, God, haven't they added anything new recently? No, I haven't had a new map in a while. No new game modes, no nothing. Okay, right. Uh, now, uh, which, uh, which uh, class are you? 
Oh, um, the the one with the with the really big gun there, the one the with the heavy, big, yes, yes the, heavy, the, the big yes. the big gun one. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'll be the I'll be the scout, of course, yes, running around now. Do keep an eye out because uh, the enemy spy from the last round was oh that was just oh it was right in our base. I'll tell you what, oh, camped goodness. me a few times. I got completely ganked wandering around a corner. Absolutely, absolutely rude behavior. Terribly rude behavior. I said, do you like my new hat? Oh, it's stunning. It's stunning. Yes, yes. Absolutely wonderful. wonderful. Okay, right. I'm on the objective. Get on the objective. Come um, on, team. Come I'm, on, I'm, team. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Yes, uh, let's push. Yes. Let's push. Push, everyone. Push. Push. Uh, yes. Oh, those Very not, good, everyone. Very good. They're not oh. carrying their weight, are they? No, they're no, not no, carrying no. their weight. Well, well. Mm. Time for another gamer, Sherry, I think, and then we're re- ready to... Yes, that's it. We've got another point victory for us. Wonderful. Gamer, yes. Sherry, it is. Gamer, Sherry, it's got extra caffeine in it. <laughs> do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Racial justice warriors. Racial justice warriors. Yeah. Right, eh? Right, Barry, how you doing? Oh, you know, mate, um... Uh, very full of pizza. You, you doing all right? Oh, pretty similar, actually. Oh, I'm, nice, I'm real, nice. real stuffed with dinner. Nice, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, birthday celebration, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You been up too much? Oh, uh, you know, being a bit, being a little bit exhausted. You know, uh, yeah. well, it's that time of year, isn't it? Well, it's that time of year, but also, uh, I've, I've, I've run into a few people recently that have. Uh, Mildly frustrated me. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this is specifically. Uh, uh, I know a few people more than I would like who are uh, a bit more dubious of science than I would like. Which is weird because you know, I'd thought at this point we'd both have managed to you know weedle out all the people who you know the science designers denies and so forth. Because you know we've managed to have quite the cut in the last few years of, of people yeah. who, who uh, weren't into all that. And and look, I mean. Even having been very, you know, you know, cutting people where needed, the last few years have really bred a lot of insidious, like anti-intellectualism and anti-science uh, yeah. thinking into even I would say the more rational people who, you yeah, know, yeah. were not particularly sceptic before, and it's been really disappointing to see because, like. You know, I, I don't think it's 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 a coincidence. A lot of this has been on the rise since COVID. And yeah. a real, real rise in medical uh, fear-mongering yeah. has, whether, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, really led a lot of people to uh, go, you know, I don't. it's not that I don't believe in vaccines, but, you know, I'm a bit dubious of some of them for, you know, since COVID. Uh, they made it yeah. suspicious. They made it quick. That's not a good thing. I'm suspicious. Yeah. And, well, it, you know, conveniently ignoring the fact that it was based on, on you know, technology that had been, you know, tr- trying to, to gain a foothold for a, a long period of time. As I, I mean, A, that, and B... Uh, you know, a, glo- a pandemic was sle- sweeping the globe and every country on the planet was pouring huge resources into actually funding scientific research. For yeah, it's that ones. whole necessity being the mother of invention thing, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. But, like, it, it's been disappointing because, like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of things that are, like, very clearly conspiracy yeah. that people have, like, backdoored their way into thinking. Yeah. Like, you know... You know, I I think it's fair to say that pharmaceutical companies have a lot of money and are not always, you know, are not always perfect and sometimes have profit motives above health motives in some cases. That can be true. But, you know, to use that to go, and therefore I'm not going to get vaccines, is like, it it fucking boggles my mind. Because, like, my, my take is... Go back a hundred years. The Like, you know, the invention of, like, the polio vaccine. Yeah. Fucking, like... 
you know, absolutely eradicated, like basically eradicated a disease from the planet. Yeah. You know, vaccines in like as a thing at all, you know, relatively recent in humanity's history yeah. that we worked out how to prevent diseases from spreading and that's fucking that's fucking magic yeah, yeah. you know i'm i'm you know i i am all for you know i'm so all for vaccines i'm like uh, you know you know me i've gone and had you know vaccines yeah, tested on me sometimes up the exactly i'm like you know give me your test ones you yeah. know because like someone's got to go test them before they're 100 percent approved because yeah. you know science got to happen and yeah. and you know it feels depressing that we're living in a world where people are not cheering from the rafters about the medical miracle that you know that are happening every day yeah it's, uh, it's deeply concerning when you know people who are otherwise very intelligent and uh you know otherwise you you would think are generally very right thinking about things and, and supportive of, of stuff have just apparently been fed enough uh, on on the on the on the outskirts on the seams of things where they they're not going right wing or anything but yeah. they certainly are like hang on i i have a, a weird feeling about this which they really shouldn't have for it uh, exactly it's it's the uh, you know i'm not going to say that vaccines cause autism but like you know i'm not going to go get a vaccine offered to me you know day one it's available cuz you know what 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 if and it's like well yeah, yeah you well know. you know i i understand if that had been a person of color you know and you know the, the history of the way scientists were were, were certainly testing yeah. things i i can understand from that point of view but when it is just someone going no, where your, your average, uh, you know, white friend from from down the road going, oh well, you know, I, I'm not sure about this, and the the the, sus the thing they were suspending the the vaccine in wasn't exactly the same as the one that they were, you know, doing the original testing on people. So it's yeah. a different product. It feels like very fucking weird. Yeah, and you see some of them going like. Well, you know, I remember the th thalidomide situation. It's like, yeah, but in the years since then, you were perfectly happy to take, you know, vaccines and medication. Yeah, you know, you, you've had MMR, you know, and, and some yeah, of you perhaps take more medication than, uh, you know, a lot of other people. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, that scared you off of medication then. You, it's, some, it's something much more recent. Like, you are, you are coming up with excuses for the fact that you have started to get weirdly anti-science yeah and it's I mean you know I, I, I understand you know it's, it's fucking insidious you know especially if you use a service like YouTube the number of times I've you know maybe been scrolling through uh, YouTube shorts because something I, I saw entertaining but by the time I've scrolled you know 15 or 20 deep having you know seen a couple of things that vaguely entertained me or, or interested me or were you know sufficiently memeable and uh, you know, then then next thing I know, I'm being fed like clips from the Joe Rogan show or yeah. clips from something else, and that especially on YouTube, that is particularly insidious. Of if you let it recommend you things long enough, and you're not the kind of person who is aware enough of beware of right wing dickheadery. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's far too easy to just have that I mean, shit fed to you. YouTube has had that problem for a very long yeah, time. Yeah. Of if you let things autoplay, it will funnel you to right wing content yeah, real yeah, easy, yeah. and you know, it's it's a shame because as as I said, you know, uh, humanity has invented some fucking world changing stuff yeah, with science. Yeah, yeah. Science is fucking magic, and you know, it, it's it's depressing that not everyone sees the absolute miracle that science is that I you know I see when I look at yeah. it. Yeah, well, you know, it's a testament to the ingenuity and the 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 uh, the, the skill and the the minds of 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 
scientists throughout the ages that they've managed to get as far as they have with things. And, you know, it's especially concerning in today's day and age where, you know, scientists are struggling to be able to do the kind of science they want to do because it's not necessarily going to make the people who make sure they have enough money to do their experiments and, and to, uh, you know, practice their craft. You know, you've got to find something that's marketable in, in, in many ways, which is, yeah. is, is a shame. You know, there there are criticisms to be had of, yeah. of, of medical science, yeah. but don't use that as an excuse to scare you off of, you know, improving your quality of life through not getting diseases and getting treatment for the diseases you have. Yeah, you know, because what we are already seeing is, you know, the, the whole vaccine scares has created uh you know we've we talked about the fact that tb is is on the rise again oh god uh, yeah. that polio might be coming back even though yeah. you know, at one point they was, they was talking about it having been basically completely erased yeah. and uh, all because of you know anti-science anti-intellectualism and you know I've, i'm not above the possibility feeling that you know if you want a conspiracy theory it's the fact that you know there are certain parties that are not above trying to feed that particular information Two yeah. groups that they might consider their enemies. Yeah. Ugh, fancy young mate. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Good luck, mate. Good luck. Right. I think go and uh, have some more birthday cake. Oh, lovely. Lovely. <sighs> So Laura, yes, you do things, and those things are on the internet, and people would like to enjoy those things. Tell us about the things. I do yeah. do things and stuff on the internet, and you can find those things and stuff at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, Mastodon, Blue Sky, all the things. You can find me at Laura K Buzz. Check out the full uh, access ability uh, videos about both Prince of Persia and The Last of Us Part Two, which should probably both be up about the time that you hear this over on youtube.com slash laura k buzz it's just laura k buzz you'll find all the stuff that i do uh what about you where are you on the Me? internet well i don't have the unified branding but i do have a link tree it's linktur.ee slash janiac j-a-n-e-i-a-c you can find all the t-shirts i design the music i make under the name bedroom programmer uh you can help support me at patreon.com slash stone to monkey radio for as little as a dollar a month you can help me deal with the shortcomings of, of, of freelance work. Oh, it's fun being a freelancer, is it not? Oh, um, yes. Yeah, you can do all that. And also, it, you know, maybe if, if you know someone who might be into this, maybe do, do us a little share, because it's my birthday today, and I'm <gasps> recording this because uh, we care very much about all of you, and, and mm. you deserve a little bit of entertainment in your life, and I am here to provide it for you. So, yeah. Uh, Laura... Yeah. Will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger. Exactly. No one will know that Jason Statham could sing like that. Exactly. Voice of an angel. I'm Jason Statham. I'm keeping some bees. Glorious. <laughs> so now the beekeeper was secretly a right. Yeah, did I forget to mention during like the review? Did I forget to mention it was? A, did I mention that to you, Jane? No, it was a musical. Ah, uh, 
Yeah. I'm oh, killing. Statham. I'm gonna kill the president. I'm gonna kill Hunter, but I mean the president's son. <laughs> Have I not the president, though? Because the president's apparently okay in this analogy for some reason. Yeah. Don't you dare scan that old lady. Or oh, I'm, I'm gonna burn your bees. call centre. I'm not gonna let these bees escape. I'm keeping the bees. They shot my the bees. bees. They shot my fucking bees. <laughs> I'll show them fucking colony collapse. <laughs> There's a thing in a colony called a queen slayer, and I'm gonna slay the queen. In this case, the president. Into son. every hive, in every generation, a slayer is born, and I will be the slayer <laughs> of bees. Of bees. No, not of bees. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm a survivor of bees. Oh, bugger, no, I've accidentally killed all the bees because the song <laughs> made me do it and I sung the wrong lyrics. Oh, fuck. I'm Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I know what's going on the end of this episode. Movie executives, cast Jason Statham in your musical. 